The Pellicle Podcast is sponsored by, well, no one at the moment, but it could be you. If you're interested in reaching thousands of eager beer fans with your ad here, then drop me an email to matthew at pellicalmag.com. With extra resources, we could produce more episodes in a more timely fashion. So if that sounds interesting to you, let's talk. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Pellicle Podcast with me, your host, Matthew Curtis. I told you the episodes would be more regular now and hopefully this becomes a habit. And every two to three weeks, you've got a new Pellicle Podcast episode in your stream. This week, I'm really excited to sit down with the folks from Glasshouse Beer Co. in Birmingham. An interview I actually recorded back in March when I was in Birmingham to do another book event at Kilda, a lovely bar near the city centre. You can sense a running theme here. I have been busy recording bits and bobs for the podcast, but I haven't had a chance to sit down and edit them into episodes. So now I'm finally catching up with myself. And at the end of the episode, I can tell you about some of the other interviews I've recorded that will finally be making their way to the podcast over the next weeks and months. Bit of exciting news from me, first of all. A few weeks ago, I went down to Oxford to brew a beer with the folks at Tap Social Movement, a fantastic little brewery that also works with the prison system to help ex-offenders back into employment. I've written a little bit about this on our site, and the beer, which is called Wake Up, after the song by Rage Against the Machine, is a modern best bitter, something that should be accessible and interesting enough for beer drinkers of all shapes and sizes, something for everyone to enjoy. That beer is available now. It was released yesterday, the 24th of November 2022. Just putting the year in, in case you're listening to this many years in the future and that beer is no longer available. But if you go to the site, you can see where you can pick up that beer and try it on cask or in keg. But also, don't forget, you can order it on the Tap Social website. They have a limited deal where you can actually get three cans and a signed copy of my book, Modern British Beer, for £25. There's only eight of those available, so if you want one of those, get on the website now and place an order. I'm going to keep things brief before we dive into this episode because the interview is almost an hour long and I don't want to spend too long waffling on beforehand. But, as always, before we do, let's quickly check in. Now, this week's check-in is actually about another collaboration we've got coming out in December. We've also brewed a beer with Track Bruco here in Manchester, a West Coast IPA called Always Trust the Optimist. Now, this beer will be out in a few weeks' time, but on the brew day, I had a lovely experience. And it's a pub experience a bit different to my usual one, but no less wonderful and fulfilling After I'd done the usual collab routine of standing around, chatting, taking photos, posing for a photo of myself, digging the mash tun, myself and Track's marketing manager, Stefan Melbourne, headed out for some lunch. He took me to this amazing shack, really, tiny little restaurant called That's Thai, where I had some of the most brilliant Thai food I've ever eaten. If you can find it, go there. It's very well hidden in the Strangeways area in North Manchester. 
But after that, we realised we were really near Holtz Brewery, one of the big four family breweries in Manchester. It's really interesting because it's right by Strangeways Prison and the architecture is kind of similar and it has these big gates. So it has this sort of mysterious Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory vibe to it. But it does have a pub right next door to the brewery called the Derby Brewery Arms, or the DBA for short. And we thought we'd pop in there for a pint of Holtz Mild. That's what we really wanted to drink. We looked on Google Maps and the pub opened at 12. It was quarter to one. So we thought, yes, let's go for a quick pint. And we got there and the doors were closed. Me being me, wanting a pint, I tried to open the doors to see if they were just shut for some reason. But no, they were locked. But as we turned away, the landlord opened the doors and said, are you all right, lads? What do you want to do? But it wasn't your typical Mancunian landlord. It was a Kiwi chap called Mark who led us into this pub. And although it was a traditional pub from the outside and some of the decor, what we actually saw in there was very, very different. The first thing on the wall was a giant trans pride flag. In the back, there were disco lights. And yes, he pulled through these perfectly conditioned pints of Holtz Bitter. The mild wasn't on, sadly. But the bitter was, it was so good. But Mark went on to tell us about how he had been working for the past three years since he took the pub on to turn it into a safe queer space. And essentially it holds raves and techno nights, that kind of thing. But at the front, it's still an ordinary pub with a pool table, a worn old carpet. And it felt to me just intrinsically Mancunian. The more time I spend in this city, especially in its pubs and bars, the more interesting it becomes. It was wonderful. The beer was wonderful. Learning about this space was wonderful. I hope that as I keep exploring Manchester, I keep unearthing more gems just like this one. Anyway, I hope you've been enjoying some wonderful beers and ciders and wines and pubs and bars these last few weeks. Drop me an email anytime, matthew at pellicalmag.com and tell me about what you've been enjoying. Maybe I'll chat about it here on the show. Right, let's crack on with this interview. So as I said, I was in Birmingham in March to do another book event at a bar called Kilda. Had a great time. But before the event, I was invited down to visit Glasshouse Brewery, which is in Sturchley to the south of Birmingham. Sturchley is actually an amazing beer destination in its own right. But what I got from Birmingham, and it's something I hope to write about in the new year if I have time, is that although you talk about these beer cities, places like Manchester, Leeds, Bristol, Newcastle, London, about being these beer cities, Birmingham never seems to come up. But the experience I had in Birmingham, in the city centre and in Sturchley is that This place is alive with great beer, both modern and traditional, amazing bars, amazing pubs. But the Brummie attitude is far more modest than, say, a Mancunian attitude. They are not as bold and as brash as in your face. But I am. So I'm telling you, go to Birmingham, go on a pub crawl, send me some tweets, ask me where you want to go drinking in Birmingham and I'll give you some tips. And then some Brummies might chime in and say, well, you should go here and here and here as well. Sturchley, where Glasshouse is based, is fantastic. There's a great few bars. 
There's Cotteridge Wines, which is a fantastic bottle shop, one of the biggest selections in the UK. There's other breweries like Attic. There's a lot going on there. And it was great to sit down with Josh Hughes, Dave Sharp and Josh Mitchell of Glasshouse to talk about not just their brewery and their beers, but also what Birmingham means in terms of the UK scene and how nuanced the beer scene is down there. This was a really fun chat with a lot of beer involved, as you can probably hear. And that made it kind of more relaxed, kind of more fun. So I hope you enjoy the vibe. It's not too serious. This is Glasshouse Beer in Birmingham. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Pellicle Podcast. I'm here in Birmingham with the folks from Glasshouse Beer Co. How are you doing? Yeah, we're good, man. We're good. Yeah, all good. Yeah, yeah. Feeling, so, feeling good. First things first, why don't you introduce yourselves and tell me what your role is here at the brewery? Hello, hello. Um, I'm Joshua Hughes. I'm the head brewer and managing director of Glasshouse Beer Co. Uh, I'm Dave Sharp and Libra. Uh, Josh Mitchell and sales manager. Fantastic. And how how long have you been going? 2018? Um, so we've been in the premises that we are now since June 2018. We actually incorporated as a business in October 2016. So myself, uh, my cousin Callum, co-founded the business uh, in my uh, mum's greenhouse. Um, Whereabouts was that? Uh, so Kings Heath, so a couple of miles away from where we are now. Uh, that's actually the reasoning for the name of, of Glasshouses. Uh, my little niece referred to it just off the cuff once as, are you in the Glasshouse today? <laughs> and we happened to be at that moment in time looking to incorporate the business and it was just kind of one of those moments of, that's it, that's the name, Glasshouse. So it's nice and simple? Nice and simple, so hold tight Isabella for that one. Brilliant. And how long have you been in this spot? So we're in Sturchley? We are, yes. Yeah, so, so from city centre, I got picked up, so I don't know where I am geographically, but to describe so, where so, we are. So in, we're, in we're South Birmingham. Birmingham, where we are currently. So um, depending on the way that you'd look at it, some people would consider us Cottridge, some people consider us Sturchley. I mean, what do we consider? Kings Norton. You know, Kings Norton. <laughs> Technically, postcode were Kings Norton, but yeah, I think we've... Obviously, the prevalence of craft beer and beer in general within Sturchley. When we kind of got going with the tap room here, we kind of piggybacked on that kind of Sturchley beer mile, but technically, we are Kings Norton. Nice one. So, tell me a bit about the kind of beers you're making. What, what's the aim here? What, what, are you trying, what kind of beers are you trying to make? What's the vibe you're going for, I guess, is what I'm, I'm interested in. Because, yeah. I mean... There's a lot of there's a lot of breweries in the UK now. There's two thousand. So what makes Glasshouse stand out? How are you making yeah. Glasshouse stand out? So I think we'll kind of split this one in in two parts. I'll have my say, and then we'll kind of pass then over to Dave. I think for me, from the the get go with Glasshouse, the onus was, was always about balance and more specifically drinkability. So anyone that has drank our beer, you'll know this very well. If you haven't, do go out there and um, search us out. We are predominantly, I think what you'd now say is more on the edge of 
modern session beers, so up to kind of five, five and a half percent. I'd say nowadays is, is the modern session opposed to your, your classic kind of 3.8 pails back in the day. So we're all about um, just harmonious balance of your grist composition, your water chemistry, hop saturation, um, specifically chosen yeast generations for the uh, particular beers or the particular, particular styles that we're brewing. And for us, we, the biggest onus that we do place on beer is, is nuance and drinkability. What? It's a bit waffly. Define no, a bit waffly is fine. Yeah. Like, like, like I'm, I'm here to waffle. That's, that's. I feel I could go you, back on that. You, you, you said, like, just before we started recording, that you know, you, you are, you're brummies and you, and you're a bit waffly. Yeah. Is, is that a part of the ethos here? Just, you know, like. Yeah, I, I think, I think. 100% like we're we like to think we're funny I think we're funny within a group of who we are whether anybody else would find that funny I'm not quite sure um, yeah look I think part of one of our the Brummy mannerisms is that we do talk we talk a lot um, we talk a lot of shit. Yeah, we talk a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. Lot of shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So to anyone listening to this apologies but it's, it's, it's not going to get any better from here out um, but yeah I think for me a massive point of pride for us is that if you drink one of our pale ales and quite often there's uh, comparisons drawn by the end consumer that it it registers on the palate as much as an IPA would do and that's a huge huge compliment for us in the brew team in that we are brewing such impactful beers at seemingly such a, a lower more sessionable ABV I think um, from my perspective Josh has sort of downplayed us in terms of ABV wise. I think we we also brew like it's supposed to be so easy, it's three point two percent. We've got a recent session pale that's three point five percent. Minari was really popular at three point eight. And they're all packing big flavour from like low percentage as well. So let's talk about the beers. Let's start with the one we're drinking. What I'm really excited because we've yeah. had a few beers today and the first few have been hazy pails. Yeah. Uh, very delicious. But we're drinking a, a crystal clear lager. Yeah. And one of the tanks over there, uh, a little little 10 hectolitre tank, it says on it in big letters with your logo, lager. So it does. Let's, let's it talk does. about this lager. It's called Moment of Stasis. Yeah. Um, so it's a 15 hectolitre tank. Um, we kind of really nailed ourselves to if we're really going to go for it with a lager, then we should really go for it and at least put a vinyl sticker that says lager on the tank. Um, up to this point, you know, we've brewed more lagers than we've ever brewed previously. Since the label lager went on that tank, I'm sure there's been more double IPAs going into that tank <laughs> than there has been lagers. But, you know, we, we've tried. Yeah. I mean, you know, it hopefully just continues to inspire us to yeah. brew, more, brew more lagers. Um, so the particular beer that we're drinking today is the version three of our, our third attempt, as it were, at a lager. So we'd probably say this straddles that Heller's line, really. It's got that kind of sweet graininess up front. Relatively fuller body for a lager. Um, minimal water chemistry interaction here. So we really wanted to let our, our Birmingham water shine. We really love Columbus as a hop. Yeah. Um, I think for this it's steps it's steep that comes back from Northern Monk yeah so when we were over there doing the collab for the Golden the Golden Whale yeah. um, they kind of blew our mind with what usually Columbus is an, an incredible kind of hot side hop 
it was their utilization of Columbus within a dry hut for their um, kind of softer, juicier, East Coast, more East Coast variants. I think that was really interesting to us then. And since we've somewhat adopted it slightly more to our Cali, Cali styles, it's been really interesting the results that we've been getting from that, um, from a dry hop. It kind of seems to be this middle ground hop that acts as a bridge between your top notes of, of the dry hop that you layer the most and giving kind of equal representation to your, your least layered hop. And you get this kind of catty, grassy, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's, like it's, that it's that middle palette. It's, it's cascady, isn't it, really? With like a little bit of grapefruit there as well, pine, sappy resin, a little bit of terpy weed, a little bit catty. Mm-hmm. Um, so it works really well. So it was, it was quite an interesting choice for this in the kettle. And I think um, IBU-wise, it, it, it's definitely balanced. Um, the sweetness from, you know, it is more of a Heller's approach for us. So for the next one, we are really going to go a lot drier I'm really going to crisp it up and go for that kind of classic pills um, but for us this is great because it shows that you know we're not a one trick pony brewery we've got you know huge breadth and depth of different beer styles that we do brew and hopefully releases like this only go to kind of show the calibre of, of beers that we are producing agreed okay. agreed it's and the thing is, you mentioned you're not a one-trick pony brewery, and you're on this evidence you are absolutely not. But when I think of Glasshouse, I think of, of Hazy Pales. Yeah. And the first beer you poured me when I walked through the doors today was a lovely 3.5 Hazy Pale. Shout out, bringing Seshi back, absolutely. And, it, and it, yeah. bring, bringing Seshi back, it's a great name. <laughs> Thank it's, you. It's a, it's a great, uh, Justin, that whole album, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, mo- it, yeah it, most it, definitely. Uh, it was a very contentious point in the brewery, that beer name. Luckily, we managed to get the okay from Laura, which we're very, very happy about. What, so. what was contentious about the beer name? Is it the <laughs> pun or, well, or Justin Timberlake it's, in general? It's, it's, it's a pun. As Dave says. <laughs> it's a silly name. It's a, it's a silly name and we are silly and whilst obviously projecting outwards of course we want to you know have a, a professional outlook however it wouldn't be Glasshouse if we weren't silly and we are silly so Laura was, was a little bit I mean let's be honest she was completely dead against it yeah. so I've wanted to brew yeah. this recipe I've had this kind of this recipe um, in the back catalogue for I think about a year. So it's a kind of natural progression from supposed to be so easy, which is our table beer that we produce. But I'm pretty sure we've had the the names been banded about for at least three or four years. I think about three or four years, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, to, to very proud that it's finally out there. And it, it's gone down so brilliantly as well, which we're really happy about. We, you that kind of end of the spectrum of lower ABV can be quite interesting sometimes from um, a brewery production and sales point of view. So we all know the greatness of Colonel Table Beer. Yes, we, absolutely. Yeah. So really, I still think anything from three to three and a half percent will be directly compared to that beer. So for us, in, in terms of when we were developing the recipe, developing um, the hot side processes that we were going to go for, the particular catered yeast generations that we were going to use, all of that really was, you know, to ensure that the, the end result of the beer was something not that would be, you know, obviously, don't, not that it would be better, 
by no means than kernel because kernel are absolutely the one. Um, but to have something that I think for us would be comparable would be the highest, highest praise for us. Um, so that's really where I think this beer kind of spawned from. And we're incredibly proud of the result. I think it, it straddles that line of kind of clean, crisp drinkability, but it's got softness, you know, from the water chemistry adjustments. The grist composition on it is, is, is lovely. You've still got a really lovely granny character. Mm -hmm. The hops really pump, but not in a way that's overhopped or too saturated. It's kind of just hit that real beautiful kind of harmony right in the middle. And it, it's a beer we're especially proud of. Uh, for me, from a sales point of view as well I think it really uh, shone in terms of where the industry is at at the moment yeah that's been our fastest selling beer this, this we, we year, completely yeah. it was all in keg but that's been our fastest selling beer for a few months now and I think that really shows where the industry is at at the minute as well you, in terms right. of beers that people want we talked about this earlier people want to drink pints at the moment don't they yeah, right yeah, for sure mm. what hops were in that beer sorry I missed that in bringing Teshi back yes uh, it's Mosaic Simcoe Idaho 7 a delicious combo yeah, yeah it, I, I really enjoyed it so firstly you mentioned uh, Laura there your partner yeah. uh, who you should introduce her because she does all your design right she does indeed so any any of the incredible labels um, the, the logo the logo the, the triangle absolutely if you've been to our tap room as well that's that's all single handedly Laura any of the good social media posts and I want to put an onus on good is Laura any of the bad ones is most likely me and Mitchell um, but no, Laura's amazing, and yeah, she's just she, she's great, and she puts up with us somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she does. And you said there's five of you, so who else is missing today? Uh, so Sam Samuel Forbes, our um, of a shift brewer who works directly with Dave, he's currently in America. He's the uh, pub quiz team manager. Pub quiz team manager. Um, the posh guy of the group as well. Yeah, he can speak properly. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so he's a shift brewer, he's pub quiz extraordinaire, and he is CIP man. Fantastic. <laughs> That's a very important job in a brewery. Ab uh, most definitely. Keeping things yeah. clean. You mentioned the kernel there, and I can't help but pick up there's a. Uh, a very deserved admiration of that brewery. Yeah. What is it about that brewery that is, you know, you're trying to do this 3.5% dialed in, hoppy, juicy session beer. What is it about breweries like the Colonel that inspire you? And are there any other breweries that, uh, uh, that you're taking inspiration from in that way? Um, so I think for me is just that Colonel are completely unapologetic about the incredible beer styles that they brew. They don't pander to the most recent trend in beer. They just brew incredibly well executed, often traditional styles that are just, they almost kind of take you back in time. Like if you've had the, um, is it the, the London Export. Um, oh, the Export India Porter. Yeah, yes. outrageous. So, yeah. And it really does. You can kind of just mm. see, and it, it's those styles, as in I say, I think from a, a business the, perspective. The red rye as well. The red rye, the, the, the food lagers that we've been drinking, obviously the table beer. I mean, for us as a brewery, if you see Colonel, you drink Colonel. Um, and I think from a business perspective, I really admire them for their business model, which is 
we are this size, we've got an incredible team underneath us, they brew, obviously, for me, some of the best beer in the country, if not, you know, Europe and further afield. And yet they don't bow to modern pressures of, of, of you know, of, of, of drinkers nowadays, but also kind of, you know, increasing cultures and, and, and et cetera. They just stay consistent, which I think is the key for me. They're consistently great. And that would be my they, kind of that would be my bullet point. On they they also know what they're very good at, and they stick with that. Yeah. Um, like which yet, is everything. Yet see, a, <laughs> yet see a can from Colonel, because you know that they, yeah. they know they're consistent in quality in the bottles, exactly. how they do yeah. it. They've got a process dialed in. They don't need to change it. I'd probably go as far as to say I wouldn't um, drink a can of Colonel. Oh, I'd, I'd feel like a, I'd feel like it, well, I'd feel like I'm I'd cheating on Colonel. Wrong, I'd, yeah. I definitely would, but I'd like it to be an Arbor-style cans with a big uh, oh, pint, pint, pint can yes, of Colonel. A pint of table. That. Yes, that's a shout. Well, um, I did once ask Evan Arid and if he ever considered canning, and he's like, he just said it to me at the time that bottling was working so well for them because yeah. of the bottle conditioning yeah. and eating up the oxygen in the bottle. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but we're not here to talk about the Colonel. We could talk about the Colonel. Oh. Uh, or we could just do a whole hour. Let's, let's do it. Let's talk about the Colonel. But I'm interested in, in hearing who else. You know, you're a young brewery uh, in, in, a, in a city that I feel has a beer scene. That We're going we're to talk about this over the next few minutes. But yeah. I feel like it should be much more on people's radar. Who else are you drawing inspiration from as a young brewery? I think uh, so. Obviously, we've we've spoke about the Colonel, but again, and then uh, Cloudwater. So both of them, they brew every style of beer, and they just knock it out of the park every single time. And I think as a brewer, that's kind of inspiration yeah. in in terms of you know we for ourselves as a brewery, we we can brew pales and IPAs every day of the week, and we know that it's going to be on point but then to you know you look at those guys and they Cloudwater have produced some of the best Imperial Stouts I've ever drank in my life the Colonel uh, the Sours the Foda beers it's just the consistency across styles for me yeah um, the, the yeah. beer size on range like they're as good as some of the like Lambics you get and stuff mm-hmm. like that and they're just really really good so the fact that they're doing that at the same time as they're doing IPAs, yeah. pails, hoppy pills, yeah. it just every single base covered. And same with Cloudwater. Um, Josh and I both worked in uh, in Clink and Dig before. We regularly stocked like hoppy little lager and beers like that from Cloudwater, and they yeah, like the, the light lags and stuff. Yeah. Really good beers, always on point, always sold really well. Um, I think you know absolutely in agreement with with the boys and what they've said. Um, but also, I think we're kind of missing out our favourite beer style, which is whether this is is, is believed or not. But it, it, anyone that knows a craft beer brewer, and if you ask them what their favourite style is, and if they don't say lager, they're lying. So very, very much so. Lagers are categorically our most favourite styles. So I'm kind of going to break this one into two. So you said about you know we're somewhat synonymous with those kind of hazier kind of pales, IPAs, etc. What really excites us um, when we're brewing is 
increasingly our, uh, what we refer to as our Cali Pale, Cali IPA range and Clarity. So something that we've been really, really enjoying and I think, you know, enjoying quite a lot of success with this year is those clearer styles and that's that's west coast ipa or, or lager so you mentioned ipl like before, yeah before so, we started recording we were talking about india pale lager so we have cold we, ipa cold ipa if you if if that's what the the cold kids are saying nowadays yeah that's, we, what, that's we, what's selling oh okay <laughs> all right mitch you need to relabel those kegs in there then pal <laughs> there's not many left no um so we absolutely love that and just to, to finish off the point in regards to breweries, uh, Braybrook are great. Siren. We love we love Siren. Yeah. We love uh, you. Utopian. Utopian. Uh, Cotswold. No, Cotswold's Cotswold brewery. Big big, big big fan. That's um, interesting. I used to, when, I used to work in a pub, and the house lager was Cotswold. And we used to sell, and I don't know. I haven't seen it in years, but I used to just spend my day pouring. Cotswold Lager. It's fantastic. Also, sorry, for the for the viewers that didn't just see this, Mitchell just shook you up shook Matthew's can. can. Um, <laughs> we're all a bit perplexed as to why you did that. <laughs> just well, that oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, it's all right, it's not gone everywhere. No, 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 no. We, we, we dial those um, carbonation volumes in. <laughs> volumes in. Um, we're moving on to another beer now. Um, unfinished origami. Unfinished we, origami. We just, we just had this on draft in a lovely local no, restaurant so, yeah, so, this isn't what we had no no so we had live and direct at uh, Canny um, so you know a stone's throw away from us an incredible uh, local cafe with uh, outrageously delicious curried lamb curried lamb with minted jelly and, and glass house we did um, have a lovely lunch and your beer on tap yeah and a delicious Augustina as yeah. well oh, <laughs> we did yeah. have some Augustina Wait, it, it, as well. it was absolutely the beer yeah the best beer there. Yeah. <laughs> you put that beer anywhere, and it's probably going to be the best beer there. And, and yeah. As it should be, uh, as it absolutely should we're, be. We're talking about Augustina for those uh, of you who are just joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about this beer, um, unfinished origami. Yeah, so this is, is is quite an interesting one for us. So I think with for anyone that, that's kind of listening that's never had one of our beers our, our most popular beer that we brew the most and that is kind of our best selling um, is Live and Direct so that's a 5% pale ale it's hopped with Citrus Simcoe and Idaho 7 it's a hop combination now that we've stuck to with that beer for two years um, we increasingly brew it now so it's what it's on the brew schedule it's two times monthly releases so with this beer we wanted to have something that was similar to the base of Live and Direct, but was noticeably different. So there's a high proportion of Pilsner malt in the malt makeup of this beer. I think we mashed a little bit lower, didn't go quite as high on the chlorides, elevated sulfate. Um, we kept the, the grams a litre on the dry hop consistent, but I think what it's done is it actually it's really happy with this release because it, it's... It's, it's a really, really refined approach. So I know we, we've been speaking about hazy and, and non-hazy. I think what we quite like with our beers, where we find our beers are really at their, their peak, is just, you know, any home brewers out there that will know this as well, it's, it's just that little bit of chill haze, not quite 
transparent, not quite that kind of clarity, but you can just see the influence there. And when it registers on the palette, that little slightly boosted final gravity that comes through, um, you know, we, don't, we do go fairly protein heavy um, with our mashes, but I think our house yeast as well is, is, is incredibly versatile. So with some of the beers that we'll have throughout this podcast and, and give you tasters of, you'll see big, big juicy IPAs. You'll see this beer in particular, so a, a cleaner, crisper, elevated clarity, more refined approach, and then a, a lovely kind of halfway in the middle of our, our some of our double dry hot pale ales. So we really love our house yeast. We're, we're really proud of it, and I think I'm especially proud of the way that we've developed over the years the sheer range of styles that we can get seemingly from from what most would consider an East Coast one-trick pony um, yeast strain, which is really interesting to me. By no stretches, like, it's often used for, like, a single style, but not, by no stretches, that yeast just re- just locked into that. You can definitely use it different ways, different temperatures, and... Yeah, absolutely. The, so mo- the more we've this used house it... Use for all, all it's it's, so, it's not used for all... It's not used for all our beers, but the different beers that we do use it in it represents itself differently mm-hmm. yeah um, and I think it that really shows across the range yeah. that we can use that yeast in a beer and have it be hazy and oh. we can use that yeast in a beer and, it, and we can have nice clarity on it as well I like that you said we're going to have a few samples uh, <laughs> as we work through this podcast and the first two have been full cans I've not finished my first one I need, I need to catch up um, do you want an extra glass? I've, I've got to do a talk no it's alright I've got to pace myself I've got to talk in front of a, an audience later on this evening at Kilda but um, what I'm interested in picking up on is when I asked about your influences you, you look towards London and the Colonel and Manchester yep. Cloudwater two in the modern day of British brewing they're hugely influential breweries who's influencing you in Birmingham what's happening in Birmingham why aren't people talking about the Birmingham scene in the same way they are London or Manchester I'm here in Birmingham to find out why because from the evidence of the I've been here since lunchtime today drinking your beers and I'm like hell yeah people should be shouting about Birmingham so so who's doing it for you in Birmingham um, I mean, I'm not going to draw comparisons or, or kind of tally, but what I will say is I think what inspires me in Birmingham is now the sheer level. The, what, what, what's, what's really inspiring me now with Birmingham is, is, is the level of which the beer that's produced by all the breweries, the way that that's elevated over the past few years. So... You, you, you touched on a, on a point of why kind of Birmingham doesn't necessarily have that kind of nationwide recognition and I think it's quite a, it's a funny one for me because we all know of the north-south split and Birmingham falls somewhere funnily in the middle and it, quite literally quite literally and isn't represented in the north nor the south um, so you know, we're Brummies, you know, we're in- incredibly proud to be Brummies. Um, I, think it's, I, think, I think we are often overshadowed. I think for us, you know, the, the quality of beers that's being produced in this city now, I mean, it, it just, you go back four years, it, it's, it, it's, it's astounding. 
you know, ourselves included, the way in which we've improved over that time. Uh, locally now, we've got Attic, we've got Birmingham Bruco, we've got Burning Soul in town. For a very long time, Rock and Roll Brew House in the Jewelry Quarter have been um, providing their, their cask. Seen Dig Brew all over. Oh, Dig Brew, God, yeah. Um, yeah, so Dig Brew out there again. Dig Brew probably with us the most known nationally, I'd probably say. I think that's because we, we were at the same we launched at the same time um, so yeah Ollie's doing great things over there Sam's doing great things at Attic Paul's doing great things at Birmingham Bruco Chris is doing great things at Birmingham Burning Soul and then there, there is the diversity in the sense that um, Roberto's putting Cult of Oak beers out yeah absolutely well. so you're getting different styles out from Birmingham as no, well not to forget um, Alex and Alan at Green Duck so over in Stourbridge a little short hop from Birmingham Moor Street train station you've got Holton Turner Holton Turner Trinity Trinity over in Litchfield you've got um, New Invention over in Blockswich it's just past uh, Walsall so there's, there's plenty of like loads and loads of breweries popping up it just I don't know we, we've as a city as like we mentioned it uh, speaking earlier um, as a city we're kind of overlooked anyway in terms of the traditional view of Birmingham as yeah. not, not being a inverted commas cool city but we, we've got everything going that all the other cities have and speaking we of we just don't necessarily shout about that that's let's I want to pick up on that but speaking of traditional I mean you're home to one of the most well loved traditional breweries Mitch you have a glass yeah. in your car <laughs> well, I, you oh, know like, what there's been a talking point today yeah. the the Bathams and people don't call them just Bathams they call it the, the Bathams, Bathams. Yeah. I, you know think, what you know I mean, what's the significance of being in in with, uh, without near that brewery without offending them like so I think they'd be utterly horrified to be classified as a Brummy brewery <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. that, actually this is <laughs> important they're, they're, yeah, a, they're a black country they're brewery, a black country brewery they're a black not a Birmingham brewery, brewery. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but um, for, for anyone outside of Birmingham the black country you know that it feels like the same part of the country yeah, and that's, yeah. that's a, you know very very different so everyone from outside of Birmingham thinks that people from Birmingham are yam yams however that is the black country what's a yam yam how am yow how am yow you know yeah. yam, yam right yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you yeah. Say, so rather than saying I didn't do that you say I day do that <laughs> day do that yeah um, yeah yeah, it's, so a, it's, it's, it's a funny it's two old, different parts of the country yeah, very yeah. close together yeah yeah. I don't know if you were to go to a football game between a, a team from Birmingham and a team from Black Country yeah there would be insults over that yeah yeah I um, think the, it's, it's a very different place but, oh it is yeah chalk and, chalk and cheese but really obviously Bathen is very close to close to my heart as a West Brom fan like, I'm glad this is a podcast sorry to interrupt I've, I've ruined a paw here oh. <laughs> for, anyone, for anyone listening there's about two inches of beer <laughs> and about five inches of head well the rest, the rest of the pipe yeah, 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 yeah. I'm holding a microphone in I one hand. It, it is nucleated though so <laughs> this is actually how if you read Randy Mosher's tasting beer right. this is how he tells you to pour beer because it knocks the the uh, the CO2 out and it makes a much more drinkable beer oh, we're so very, I'm doing we're very it. accustomed to slow pools yeah, yeah this, so this is exactly what I'm doing a slow yeah, pool yeah. with Lager we're, um, we're on board with the slow pool we considered adding it as an option on our menu we did um, when are you getting the Luca taps yes, 300 pounds yes. worth of Czech beer tap we, that, we will that, be doing yeah. this we absolutely will everyone is and you yeah, should do it yeah, I, I agree but let's come back to the more um, serious so point like like 
Birmingham for me as an outsider feels like it has a lot going for it. It's the second biggest city in the UK. Yeah. It's got over a million people living in the metropolitan area. Yeah. But it, when we talk about beer, I think the cities that get the most love... I mean, I live in Manchester, which has an incredible scene, but everyone is so proud of it. Yeah. And Leeds, Sheffield, Newcastle, Bristol, and London. I mean, London just has... We talked about the Colonel, yeah. and it has yeah. some amazing breweries. Birmingham, you just mentioned so many breweries, so much heritage, so many great bars, but it doesn't seem to have the same impetus as other beer scenes in the UK. Nationally, no, but locally we absolutely share that love that every other city gets uh, within their local community. So our local community through, from prior to the pandemic, pandemic, during and throughout the pandemic, you know, we're our lifeblood. They, they kept us here, they kept us alive. And I know that's true for every single West Midlands-based brewery. So we absolutely have that kind of shared community love. I think, and I can't give you a definitive answer why we're not nationally renowned as a city for our beer, but we should be. What, what do you think needs to happen? What, or may, let me phrase that better. Why should people visit Birmingham for the beer? So, A, cheap trains. Because um, mostly no one wants to come to Birmingham. Um, um. <laughs> and almost all trains go... You, you can get to New Street from everywhere, everywhere. right? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, we're in, the middle of, we're in the middle of the country. Yeah. So, every city has a train to Birmingham. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm not sure that was the answer we were really looking for as to it's, it's convenient to get to. <laughs> <laughs> but... We'll, uh, we'll no. <laughs> I think to go back to why other cities uh, have got more kind of recognition, I think that if you look at Manchester, if you look at Leeds, if you look at London, there's always been one big breakout brewery in those cities. In terms of Manchester, you've had Cloudwater, um, Leeds, Northern Monk, uh, London, you know, Beaver Town, Colonel, and then people kind of branch off from I've drank. This. Even in Bristol, you've got like yeah. your Wiper and True and your Arbor. True, uh, Left Hand Giant. Um, but people kind of drink a beer from that city and then they're thinking, oh, that's good. Um, what else is available around there? Whereas in Birmingham, we've got a bunch of craft breweries, but there's never been one kind of big breakout nationally. And I, I don't know if that's kind of somewhat the case. Um, and I think we've, we've still got a bit of a hangover from every other pub being Black Country Owls owned. Um, and there's, it, the, the shift to drinking craft beer within the city has been a bit slower. Um, yeah, yeah com- definitely com- comparative. Um, I think city, whereas, whereas what we refer to as town, which is Birmingham city centre, uh, whereas in 2018, that really was the hotspot for craft beer in Birmingham. There's been a massive shift, I'd, I'd argue, recently that actually it's all moved to the suburbs. So you've got, you know, in Sturchley alone, where we are here, and, and, and we've Cottridge, let's never forget Cottridge Wines, uh, Redbeard just up from it. Within the space of a mile, you've got six or seven incredible. Um, craft and cask uh, beer outlets, and which, which is amazing. Which, which hence why it was coined the Sturchley Beer Mile. 
but I think it's 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 a point of frustration. I think for us and other and just Birmingham drinkers alone, because you know. All of us as Birmingham breweries, we are heralded by our local community and we want to be out there. And I, to, to kind of go on from Dave's point, I think there are probably, of the size that we are, there are four Birmingham breweries that are on the cusp of a national kind of breakout as a Birmingham brewery. I think we, we our, our business model from the get-go was always national distribution. So ironically, we, we're probably Birmingham's lesser-known brewery because from the get-go, we wanted to kind of cement ourselves with nationally more so than locally. Um, obviously... Also, a lot of that came down to how small the beer scene within Birmingham yeah, is itself. Right, yeah. Because, you know, if we're producing X amount of kegs, but there's fewer bars within Birmingham for that, yeah. Obviously, you need to be broader. What's Broaden. the name? Broadening kind of your your sales yeah. from the get go. So from the off, it was you know um, let's go down into London. I think we sell more yeah. beer in London by a mile than we do in Birmingham. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. London. Well, we sell more beer in London than we do anywhere well, else. Anywhere else, London alone is I think forty three percent. I mean, that's of huge. our output that's huge what, what whereabouts in London is, is is doing your beer so this is mostly these figures are mostly derived from the distributors in which we work with who distribute throughout London um, the kind of best figures I think we get and breakdowns we get are from Ebrium so anyone that doesn't buy direct through us or doesn't buy through a separate distribution arm um, anyone UK wide can buy our beer through Ebria and we get a, a breakdown every single month and it, it's 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 really great for us actually from just a personal and business perspective because a we're able to see where our beer is being drank um b we're able to then look at key cities so leeds is still one for us which is we've never quite been able to have the distribution that i think we strive to have in Leeds because it's such a great drinking city um, but yeah so in, in regards to London that's just through our distribution network our distribution partners um, I could reel them off I don't know if that's going to be boring to the readers because they'll never we have don't to, need to know every yeah, yeah, yeah. even, even in terms part. of like um, direct just, if people want to pick up our cans like there's always places like Kill the Cat Hot Burns and Black are always taking our beer in yeah quite a funny one that's not quite London well it isn't London but say Albans so the it's, it's funny because it it kind of is but it isn't but yeah I know what you mean yeah exactly so we sell to I think there's in the space of a mile four incredible craft beer outlets and we sell to every single one of them and it's really fun for us when we send like fresh shipments out and then we're seeing people go on a glass house crawl in St Albans because they all speak with, within themselves as a community in terms of what our beers they're going to put on so each different bar has a different glass house offering and we see that and they're like glass house stop one glass house stop two three, which is something mad and, and you know at the start of this business is nothing we've ever considered like people are doing a glass house crawl in St Albans that like, feels quite culturally significant because St Albans is literally the camera hut that's where cameras head offices yeah. and you're there with your your hazy pails we, we and have, lagers yeah we have look, we have mad sales down there and, and that and that's 
obviously really great for us. Like, so she can remember having a small se- little secretly, locality that um, secretly they just want hazy cake beer. <laughs> we do, we do have like funny little hotspots with our beer. Shropshire is a funny one as well. It's like obviously a quiet country counter. Yeah. But we sell loads of our beer in Shropshire, and there's some permanent lines, yeah. glass house in Shropshire, and things like that. And Swindon's big. Swindon as well. Like <laughs> big, big shout out to the Coracle in, yeah. in uh, Bridge North. Yeah, Bridge North as well. They yeah. always have our beer on. They're really great. And it's such, if you went there, you'd be like, there's about three places in this town, but it's they've got a really brilliant selection. We've had some of the best cask we've ever had in there. Oh, incredible. Um, yeah. And it's, it's amazing that you can go to little country towns in the UK now and you can have a completely wide offering of anything you want you can get the best lager in there but you can get the best cask beer and you can go across the board well i was in kendall doing a book event and i was amazed by the quality and variety of bars and pubs i visited but that's the thing you've hit on something in the last few minutes that's really significant and it's great that you're reaching these places talking about shropshire talking about st albans yeah, yeah. the beer you're making is not some outlier it's not yeah. weird craft beer enjoyed by a niche you know you're talking about perfecting a 3.5% beer that's that's British classic beer even yeah. though you're using modern hot flavour yeah. it's about pints right yeah. but this like everywhere in the UK wants quality and they want a great bar to go and drink it in yeah. like do you feel that, that that what I want to get in and talk to is things are tough you know the cost of ingredients the cost of powering that brewery yeah. um, the cost of putting petrol in the van yeah, it's doubling, tripling. Yeah, but and yesterday, I'm not going to lie. I, I I did some interviews and I felt really glum about beer. If anyone yeah. follows me on Twitter, they will have, they will remember the day because I was I was glum as fuck. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> but today, talking to you, I feel very different. I feel very positive, and it's reminding me there's a lot of good stuff happening. Why do you think this this is happening in in beer? Like you talk about being national. I wanted to focus on Birmingham, but it feels like there's something bigger than just Birmingham or Manchester yeah. or London. Good beer, like regardless of how bad things are, people want good beer, right? Yeah, what? I, th- I think very quickly, like in terms of like touching on cost, that is obviously something that we we have to deal with, and it's one of those things that as a brewery we've tried to really absorb. Yeah, um, but we're like obviously the same as everyone's done. We've done breakdowns. We will have to increase prices the same as everyone will. Um, and it's dead worth like that being an issue that breweries need to talk about to the public and be comfortable talking about because yeah. it's it's not something that is just going to get overwashed. Every single every single point of being a brewery has become more expensive. Me and Josh have spoken about it a lot this week, yeah. and we've done a breakdown. And effectively, we're an industry that takes from every single part of every other industry. We take from food because we take wheat and barley and we have our yeast, we take from water, we take from electricity, we take from every single spot we have fruit. Um, we then take cardboard because we're in doing that. We have plastics, we have key kegs. Pallets, distribution. We have network. pallets for distribution. So we're touching on every single aspect of like all your big industries and that does have a knock-on effect. And every single one of them has had significant price increases. But we, we feel like we've stomached part of that and we're able to reach a point when we can have a minimal increase through it. Yeah. Um, but obviously that is going to have a knock-on effect for everyone and we just hope, really hope that the consumer recognises that. It's, it's not huge, but it, you are going to, I think, across the board you're going to see increases yeah. and I'm not sure whether yeah. smaller breweries will be able to stomach that. stomach it better yeah. 
or bigger brews will be able to stomach better who knows because of the knock-on effect of it but that what? is something well aware that people need to what's your plan need to see. like how are you feeling like something i meant to ask at the start of this podcast and um i forgot but um how are you feeling like it's been like for beer and for everyone it's been two incredibly tough years yeah <laughs> it's the news cycle is relentless yeah uh, how, how are you doing first and foremost want to be want to say that look I'm incredibly incredibly conscious of the fact that we are what I would consider one of the lucky ones we've during and throughout the pandemic we've been able to grow we've increased our output we've increased our workforce and, and ultimately revenue um, however the the sad fact remains that we are one of the lucky few if there are polarizing positions for breweries publicans bottle shops everywhere out there we've, we've tried accounts that we work to we hear you know some of them have had the best year on record some of them have served two people on a 10-hour shift so you know i'm incredibly conscious of the fact that you know incredibly grateful i want that to, to to be on record of the position that we find ourselves in i think what's we we decided to have the stance last year amidst uh spiraling prices going upwards of uh malt hops uh the distribution network cardboard boxes you know cans raw cans even trying to get cans was a madness two years ago the, the, the suppliers could not keep up with demand so naturally what happens is the price goes up tenfold luckily it didn't do that but you know and minimum orders as well. well minimum orders which are now have increased again massively but naturally because as, as Mitchell was just saying that's reliant on electricity to run the machines so we took the stance last year rather than having to have price increases across the board we'd adopt a business model of increased production so we could increase production and stomach the sheer sharp price increases we were seeing across the board that worked until electricity went up naturally of course now we're at a position where for the last you know because obviously we're, we're still the, the hangover of Brexit as well that was the first thing and you know you tie covid in with that and you've just got a perfect storm for our industry um just to like input on that quickly in terms of brexit like even little things in terms of hop contracts and things like oh, that it's outrageous. yeah we we had numerous times when we ended up having to buy hops just to get them here quickly yes we, as, we, as opposed to taking off our contract and things like that so and, and that buying. complicates things yeah we were spot buying hops because our hops that come from a distribution warehouse in belgium because of where Brexit had just been implemented, it had just, just happened. Um, we were spot buying thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds worth of hops that was designated to come off our contract because we were waiting for a pallet of hops to come through the border and that was stuck at the border because, um, I mean, I don't want to get political here. Whatever your stance is, that's your stance. But this is an experience we had. It got stuck at the border because it was in blue writing. Uh, the paperwork was filled out in blue ballpoint pen rather than black. I don't know if you've listened to this podcast, but I do these like hour-long rants where I get quite political. So okay, I think, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, listeners yeah. of the show know where are aware, yeah, know okay. where uh, opinions yeah. lie. Yeah. Um, I also like 
I'm asking everyone this. Last year we saw from the Instagram account of Brienne Allen, um, we saw a reckoning in beer. And I just want to know, like, uh, what was your view of that and how are you looking at that and implementing that into your business? We spoke about this before the podcast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, I think it's really important that, that this conversation goes on. I mean, we're four blokes around the table. And, yeah, but absolutely. Like, like, what's the significance of that to you and how is it affecting what you do at Glass? So it, it's, it's obviously hugely significant. Um, I think for me, it'd be unfair to say that it's affected me because I'm not one of the affected as we were having the conversation before. You know, we are at this point, four men around a table speaking about a horrific culture that has become prevalent within our industry, not just in hospitality, but within the brewing industry. And it'd be unfair to say it, it's affected me. It's, it's affected me in the context of I'm outraged. Did I'm, you spend time reading those messages? Yeah, and, and another point I wanted to, to touch on with this is the word whistleblower is thrown around a lot. And I think that's actually outrageous because these women and their stories aren't whistleblowers. Blowers. They're, they're heroes for coming out and highlighting such toxic, toxic culture and terrible experience and terrible events. I think for us, what we need to do is, A, first and foremost, the industry, everybody needs to be unionised. First and foremost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, hugely. I mean, that's the first step. That That's not far enough, but... Um, so yeah, I'd like to see the whole industry unionised. I'd like to see it implemented by all businesses, correct procedures with, with regards to HR and line managers and any instances, any events, any the littlest of remarks properly and fully investigated and people held accountable. Um, for, for us as a business, I'd love nothing more than to increase and to increase and, and diversify us as a team. I want us to have you know equal representation um, as a business and as a brewery, and it's something that we're really passionate about. And we've got certain programs in place that we're looking to kind of fulfil and push forward going into the year 2023. And I think just in, in general. God, I've not even got my head around the start of 2022. No, no, I know. I think just transparency, and I think we all we all deserve, and the end consumer especially, needs to know what is going on in this industry. I've got one more question for you. I, I just want to say I really appreciate your answers there because it's a difficult topic, and I'm, I'm asking everyone uh, because I feel like I want to keep this conversation going. Uh, and as you know it, it's beer there's a lot of blokes that talk to each other and yeah. we should be having this with the microphones turned on yeah. so, but I just want to say I appreciate your time on that but it's tough out there the news cycle is atrocious and I, I need some optimism I want to ask you all and I want all of you to answer this yeah. what are you all looking forward to at the moment and it can be about beer or it could be about fucking anything like like what what is the uh, the sunrise on the horizon for you right now? Um, so I think from a, a business perspective is that we've just done nothing. Our large ever investment into new tanks, which will help us grow by around about 
18,000 litres a month, which is amazing. Uh, the thing at present that I'm most excited about is David Stagdu, which is <laughs> on the 26th of this month in Leeds. So, yeah. Um, apart from that, I think I'd, I'd, I do see optimism in the industry. It is hard, it is polarising, but I do think for every publican, for every bottle shop, for every brewery, the better days are on the horizon, and I, I, I truly believe that. I feel that we're on the precipice of it now, and I think coming into the summer, I think this really will be a great summer for all of us in the industry. I agree, and, and uh, I hope you're right, and I believe you're right. I'm going to uh, follow Josh's lead on three aspects. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take uh, work-wise. I'm actually incredibly excited for the increase because it means gives me more work, more work to do. There we go. It keeps me busy. That is the most yeah. optimistic thing I have heard in <laughs> so long. And that, um, that's the answer from a man surrounded by the two owners of the company. <laughs> <laughs> and like that, 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 that was so well pitched. That was so I'm, good. I'm busy better. You're than hired. <laughs> You keep your job. <laughs> I'm better busy than bored, as these two will tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Brilliant. A, from a personal aspect, uh, I'm about to be able to decorate my house without any other influence, which is very okay. exciting. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Um, and then from it's a lovely house. From an industry aspect, as we've spoken about today a few times, rise of a uh, cask beer again. Bring yeah. it on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Dead excited. Dave? Uh, I finally get married next month. It should have been last year. Um, so it's, it's your stag do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, so it should have been last April. Um, Let's kick it back a year. And it goes hand in hand with three weeks off work. So that's perfect. Yeah, and that is, <laughs> that is the one thing that keeps me going at the moment. Yeah. Well, have a fab time in Leeds. Oh, all the places you could have chosen to have a stag do, the place with all that wonderful beer and pubs. Yeah, yeah and it was, it was actually uh, my future wife's idea. So, you know, it's the, obviously the right choice. Perfect. Uh, well, have a, please have a tequila and verdita in North Bar for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then one for yourselves. Uh, <laughs> Dave, Mitch, Josh, thank you so much for chatting to me this afternoon. Thank you. Um, and uh, the beers are tasting great. Uh, it's wonderful to be in Birmingham. Um, and best of luck with everything. Thank you for listening to that lovely interview and thank you again to josh dave and mitch for chatting to me and for me completely cutting them off at the end there several beers in anyway before we go i just want to say that if you've been enjoying the content we've been putting out on pellicalemag.com and on this podcast we need your support i'm just going to ask you quickly this week just go to patreon.com forward slash pellicalemag and you can donate from as little as a pound a month up to £80 a month if you're a business, and that money goes straight into funding our content. All of it at the moment actually goes into the magazine, not this podcast, which is why you might have heard at the start of the episode, I'm looking for a new sponsor. But as our Patreon grows, so does our resource, and so does what we're able to do with Pellicle. So if you enjoy the content and you can afford it, please sign up if you can. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. But let me tell you quickly about what I've got coming up over the next few weeks, because I'm finally going to break the back of all this content I've been recording for the last year. 
In a few weeks' time, I'll be back with my Beers, Wines and Ciders of the Year, an annual show in its third edition. Following that, I've got four episodes from FineFest, panel discussions and an interview with its owner, Jamie Dillap, in front of a live audience, after which I've got a round table I recorded at Nottingham Craft Beer Week, before an interview with the folks from Wildflower Beer in Australia when they were here in the UK, before some more interviews with Marble Brewery, Tap Social Brewery and Theo Frain from Dea. And if I've time, I might squeeze in one of my big old monologues because I've got a few ideas for those as well. So stick around. I'm hoping to get an episode out about every two to three weeks. That's it from me this time around. Stay tuned and I'll see you again soon. This has been the Pellicle Podcast and I've been Matthew Curtis. Bye bye. <laughs>